Summer camp is a magic place where kids discover who they are because they have the freedom to explore on their own. Y Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is a sleepaway camp in the heart of Idaho's wilderness. Each summer, campers make friends, build new skills, and learn to love the outdoors through activities like canoeing, archery, zip lining, rock climbing, campfires, and more. Registration for Y Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is open. Financial assistance is available. Learn more at ycampidaho.org. The Read to Lead Podcast, Episode 34. Hey, I'm Chris Ducker, author of Virtual Freedom and host of the new business podcast. And you've just stumbled upon one of my favorites. It's the Read to Lead Podcast with my buddy, Jeff Brown. You cannot achieve your dreams in the 21st century if you do not have the ability to persuade people to act on your ideas. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Thank you, Joy. Hello and welcome to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. Each week we sit down with a successful and inspiring author to talk about their latest book and depending on their area of expertise, their thoughts on leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, or entrepreneurship. In this episode, we'll sit down with Carmine Gallo, author of the book Talk Like Ted, The Nine Public Speaking Secrets of the World's Top Minds. Carmine will help us understand the science behind what makes a memorable and effective public talk, the power of storytelling and why you must include stories in every presentation you make, and the role that passion plays in convincing your audience to take action right now. Before we welcome Carmine, I hope you'll permit me to chat just for a moment about February's Podcaster Academy success and the upcoming new class in April. 20 students went through the class last month. It was a huge success, and the feedback has been phenomenal. In fact, the class has turned out to be a great fit for folks who've yet to launch a podcast, as well as those who have quite a bit of experience under their belts. Uh, Nick Suberling, host of the Who Day Weekly podcast, a podcast just for Cincinnati Bengals fans and founder at SPNT.TV, says that after publishing over 450 podcast episodes, I went into your course, Jeff, thinking I knew everything I needed to know about podcasting. I learned a lot more than I anticipated, and I'm really thankful that I came across your course and am blessed to consider you my coach. If you currently host a podcast or are considering launching one, and there are dozens of reasons to do that if you haven't yet, then I want to encourage you to consider being a part of the April edition of Podcaster Academy. Registration is open right now where you can learn things like how to properly format your podcast, delivering your content more professionally, techniques to become a more polished interviewer, and even unique ways to monetize your podcast and use your podcast as a launching pad to new and exciting opportunities. And because I only published a couple of episodes last month and didn't take much time to talk about a special offer that ended in February, I wanted to take the time to extend that offer in case you missed it. Tuition for Podcaster Academy is just 
497. But because you're a Read to Lead podcast listener, I've got a special discount code you can use for 20% or $100 off the course. Go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash academy to register right now and use the discount code READ, R-E-A-D, at checkout. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash academy. Use the code READ and you'll get $100 off. That brings the total cost to just $397. That's less than $100 for up to two hours of training and one-on-one coaching and instruction each week of the course. If you desire to improve your communication skills and more strongly connect with your audience, many of the same things we'll be talking about with today's guest, I want to encourage you to consider Podcaster Academy. That address one more time, readtoleadpodcast.com slash academy, and then use the discount code READ for $100 off. I look forward to seeing you in the April edition of Podcaster Academy, and be sure you register right away because only 20 spots are available. Carmine Gallo is the best-selling author of The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs and is the communications coach for the world's most admired brands. A former anchor and correspondent for CNN and CBS, he's a popular keynote speaker. He's worked with executives at Intel, Cisco, Chevron, Hewlett-Packard, Coca-Cola, Pfizer, and many others and writes a column for Forbes.com called My Communications Coach. His new book, uh, being released the day this interview is being published, March 4th, 2014, is called Talk Like Ted, The Nine Public Speaking Secrets of the World's Top Minds. And we are thrilled to have him here today. Carmine, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Well, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Well, to get started here, I want to be careful not to leave anybody out along the way. So uh, for that person listening, that, that, that one or two, maybe three people listening who have never heard of this thing called TED, uh, how did it manage to become this elite stage for today's top thinkers and doers to share their ideas? I'm glad you brought that up early. Uh, I think it is important that people understand what TED is. I don't think everybody needs to, you know, needs to know everything about the, the TED conference. Uh, TED is a famous conference. It is this month celebrating its 30th anniversary. And anybody who is anybody in uh, the nonprofit world and technology, the world's greatest thinkers and innovators, have been invited to give what's called a TED Talk. TED Talks are now viewed online two million times a day. The presentations have been posted online. They began posting uh, in 2006, and they have thousands of presentations. The presentations are only 18 minutes long because, as you and I will probably talk about, Jeff, that's all they give the mm-hmm. speakers. Uh, so it's not this book is not so much about the TED conference. I, I covered the TED conference in about two pages. The rest of the book is how TED has up-leveled and become the gold standard for public speaking and presentation skills. And I believe, Jeff, like it or not, you are being compared to a TED Talk mm-hmm. because they have become so prevalent, not only in America but around the world. Uh, Two million videos a day are being downloaded and streamed, and there are five smaller, what are called TEDx, or independently organized TED-like events that are organized and put on every day, five around the world. They're in 145 countries. Uh, So if you don't know about it, you probably should, and you're certainly being compared to a TED-like presentation. 
Well, I was uh, pleasantly surprised as I dug into the book over the weekend at the uh, level of research that you've put into this. And I was wondering if you could share a bit about, uh, you know, exactly what into it, because I want people to understand, you know, there's a science behind this as well. I'm glad you picked up on that. The nine public speaking secrets that, that I analyzed, that I've actually uncovered from watching 500 TED Talks, about 150 hours, uh, are, are techniques and elements that I think anybody can use to improve their very next presentation. But you're absolutely right. I, I, I am a communication geek. Yeah, I, I love persuasion and communication. I've been studying the science of communication for years. And so I really wanted to dig into it. 18 minutes, for example. It doesn't matter whether your name is Bill Gates or Bono or Sheryl Sandberg. These are some of the famous TED Talkers. Nobody gets more than 18 minutes. Why why does 18 minutes work so well? I wanted to know that, and there's actually research being done in Texas Christian University on uh, why 18 minutes seems to be a really good, scientifically proven amount of time to get your idea across. There's research being done at Princeton University into storytelling, and most great TED presentations begin with story. So the point is, I wanted to really reinforce with everybody that the reason why TED videos go viral, and some presentations have been viewed up to 20 million times, the reason why they go viral is because they are inspiring, but more than that, they're wildly addictive. They actually connect to how your brain is wired to receive information. So the science part of it, I'm, I'm so glad you picked it up. The science part was the fun part. <laughs> that, that was really interesting to me. <laughs> well, what would you say to that person right now who's thinking, well, does this, does this apply to me? I'm not giving lots of talks to rooms full of people. In other words, why is your book important for anybody in business, really? Because the single greatest skill that will help you accomplish your dreams in the next five or 10 years, especially in the information age, is the ability to persuasively share your ideas. Jeff, you can have great ideas. You can have revolutionary, world-changing ideas. And you know this as a a broadcaster uh, and a former radio guy. Uh, If you cannot get your ideas across persuasively, succinctly, in a way that connects with people and inspires your audience, those ideas really aren't worth very much. (laughs) Ideas only have value when they spark someone to take action. TED Talks spark people to action. They, They start movements. Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. We know that now millions of women, right, are leaning in. There's lean in groups. There's best selling book. Uh, that started with an 18-minute presentation from Sheryl Sandberg. So a great presentation can start movements. But the point is, in all of these elements of a great TED Talk, it doesn't matter to me if you're speaking to a room of a thousand people or if you're just pitching a, a prospect, you know, uh, across a table at Starbucks. The same components apply because, as we've just mentioned, it's the science of persuasion. It's not how to give a TED Talk on a TED stage in front of a thousand people. It's really the science of persuasion. Well, as, as we mentioned in the intro, Carmine also wrote the book, The Presentation Secrets of, of Steve Jobs. Carmine, how did he differ from those famous for their TED Talks, or, or did he? Did he have some elements of what he did that were, were TED-like? 
remarkably similar. In fact, if you go to TED.com, and I would urge everybody to start visiting TED.com because you can see some of these great presentations, and they change every day. You know, it's very uh, updated website. But among the most popular TED videos, for some reason, it got up there. I don't even know how it got up there, but uh, among the TED videos, the most popular is Steve Jobs's Stanford commencement address that he gave in 2005. Hmm. That wasn't a TED talk. So it's like the only non-TED video that's actually popular on the TED site. (laughs) It was not a TED talk, but in about, it was actually about 15 minutes, he gave a brilliant talk that actually reflected all of the, all the elements that I picked up in some of the great TED presentations. And I'll tell you just a couple right off the bat, storytelling. Mm. Storytelling is very powerful in, uh, in all TED Talks. All the most popular TED Talks start with stories. In the Steve Jobs presentation, he told three stories about his life, living uh, you know, the, a, an empowered life and following your dreams. You know, Do what you love, I think, was the title of it. Three personal stories. Mm. Three is also an interesting number, and we can get into that. Many great TED Talks are broken up into three, or there are three stories, or three reasons uh, to listen to that particular talk. Three is a very powerful number, and there's science behind that as well, Jeff. Uh, so if you're pitching a prospect, for example, it's good to give them three reasons to uh, buy your product or three reasons you know, to, to invest in your service. If you give people more than that, they, they'll lose everything. So instead of giving people 12 reasons to buy your product, give them three. (laughs) Well, what about, uh, sort of plays into that, what about body language? Are are there things we should or shouldn't be doing to impact audiences the right way when it comes to to that category? Yeah, there there are some wonderful examples of what I call command presence, commanding body language on on the TED stage, uh, both both from men and women. Uh, What I find that some of the great TED speakers do very well, and and, and this applies to any, any type of presentation that you might give, is one, they make eye contact. So rarely will you see anybody read from notes. Rarely will you see anybody read from a very cluttered PowerPoint slide with nothing but words on it. In other words, they're, always, they're making eye contact most of the time. Whereas in a, in a professional business presentation, uh, eye contact is lacking. People are looking at notes. People are looking at the slide more than they're making eye contact to the listener. Uh, there's also, they're forward. They're leaning into the audience instead of, you know, on their heels or slouching. Uh, they use their hands very well. Uh, hand gestures are very important. And there's actually research being done in hand gestures at the University of Michigan that shows that people who are complex thinkers use complex gestures, which means they actually use gestures to complement uh, almost every sentence. So I, I don't want people to, to be contrived to try to be somebody they are not. But if you use hand gestures naturally, and it's easier for me because I'm Italian, so I, I always <laughs> use my hands. But if you use hand gestures naturally, don't be afraid to use your hands. I think all of this takes practice. I just worked with somebody who recently gave a very uh, well-received TED Talk, uh, and she contacted me last year. She is a pioneer, actually, in, in a particular industry. Uh, in fact, most of your listeners probably have purchased her product. 
uh, and she was really nervous about giving a TED Talk. She doesn't give presentations. And uh, I talked to her about practicing, really practicing the presentation after we developed the narrative. And this, about two months ago, I told her, uh, it's only 18 minutes. Why don't you practice every day? Do it once a day. And there was stunned silence for a second. She looked at me, she said, <laughs> every day? I said, look, you got two months. Uh, that'll give you about 60 days. So you can do it 60 times. And it's only 18 minutes. Take 18 minutes out of your day. Uh, well, she did it. She actually did it. And it gave her so much confidence on stage. You should have seen her, Jeff. She was using big gestures, hmm. confidence. She knew exactly where she was going next. And it was incredibly well received, a sustained round of applause and everybody loved it. Uh, and here's a woman who has never, never given a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> she was just scared, terrified about it. And she had a lot of confidence. So I, I think practice is a very important component. But once you practice and rehearse and internalize, Jeff, then it becomes even you're free to use your gestures and to think about your body language and to think about your verbal delivery and how you're going to animate the story mm. rather than being really nervous about what's next on my slide or what's the next thing I'm going to say. That, that's great advice, especially for someone who, who is giving a presentation. And, and I'm someone who doesn't do that often. I'll be doing that later this year. So I, that's excellent for, for me to hear. And I knew practice was important, but as, as I read the book, I was a little bit surprised at at, at how many times some would practice. It's interesting to see, you know, I think one person you mentioned in the book practiced 200 times. That was a Harvard brain researcher. She's a research person, a data person. And her name is Dr. Jill Bolte Taylor. She has one of the most successful TED Talks of all time. She practiced it 200 times. She told me personally, so I know this is a fact. Uh, well, guess who discovered that TED Talk and loved it so much? She had her on her show, a, a lady named Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and it completely changed the course of oh, Dr. Wow. Jill's life. Yeah. So many talks that are so many events you go to, conferences, that sort of thing. You know, you're sort of a cattle call of presenters and there might be three or four tracks at the same time. And everybody is sort of expected to oftentimes fill an hour when really it's more important just to, to make your case and, and, and fill the time you need to fill to get that point across, not fill an hour. But I guess it goes back to that 18 minutes thing we were talking about. What, what, what does the science say about the length of a TED Talk? We talked about them being 18 minutes, but what effect does the length of a presentation have on the audience? This is, this is really important, and let's clear it up for everybody. When I say 18 minutes, in no way do I suggest that you can only present for 18 minutes. But the science does prove conclusively that the brain gets bored anywhere from about 10 minutes to 18 minutes, hmm. depending on which paper you read. <laughs> I read a lot of <laughs> academic papers, so you don't have to. <laughs> but depending on what you read, the brain, as human beings, we tune out. Hmm. We tune out, Jeff, no matter how great a speaker you are. We tune out after about 10 minutes to 18 minutes. Uh, therefore, take that person, take your audience and regroup, you know, pull them back in. How do you do that? It's a little easier uh, on a podcast like this, actually, because there's two voices. Mm. So that's one way of doing it. Introduce a second voice. Apple does this very, very well. An Apple product introduction usually lasts about 90 minutes. And I've seen many of them. 
I've even written a whole book on Apple and Steve Jobs and how he used to present. Uh, they take about 90 minutes. Never, never do they go past about 10 minutes without introducing a second speaker or uh, going to a demo or showing a video. So those are all ways to reconnect with your audience and bring them back in. Go to a video clip. Uh, very few presentations use video. I use video all the time in my multimedia presentations. Uh, very few people use video. Uh, video can be a case study, or you can cut to a, a customer uh, testimonial or some kind of video that you already have pre-prepared for your site. Uh, or introduce a second speaker. And sometimes that's also important. If you do co-present with people, uh, or, or if you bring an engineer from your company or a salesperson from your company or something <laughs> like that. So introducing a second speaker is always valuable. Uh, but find ways, uh, or, or simply, simply do this. You've been presenting for 10 minutes. That's where you pause and you cut to a demo of your product, or you uh, stop for questions and answers. Bring the other person in and get them involved in the presentation. But whatever you do, don't just assume that you can speak just by yourself <laughs> for more than you know, 15, 10, 15, 18 minutes and keep someone's attention. So as much as the length of the presentation, the key is just uh, doing things that keep the audience engaged and mixing it up as you go along as appropriate. I, I like what you just said. Those are different words for saying the same thing. Uh, <laughs> so I like exactly, but that's exactly the point. Yeah. Mix it up, re-engage the audience. Uh, a professor or an instructor who I talked to said soft breaks. I like that mm. term as well. So whatever you use, okay. re-engagement techniques, soft breaks. Mix, I, I like your term the best, though. Mix it up. <laughs> <laughs> mix it up. That's simple. Well, we talked about the importance of practicing, and you offer in the book five sort of best practices to practice, five methods. And I was wondering if you could share about those in a little bit more detail. Yeah, let's go through some methods of, of practice. Um, I, whether it's three steps or five steps, it really does depend on, on who you are and what you need to practice. But let me just give it to you in a nutshell. Uh, the first step, uh, let's say, and let's make this very specific. You're delivering a PowerPoint presentation to a prospect, a client. Um, I know many of our listeners could be mid-level managers, so they're delivering updates uh, to people within the company, whatever it is, it's a, you're delivering a standard PowerPoint presentation. Several steps to practicing or rehearsing effectively. One, the first time you create that PowerPoint, there's something called notes. Use notes in PowerPoint. Go into the notes and write out, just write out exactly what you're going to say on, for that particular slide. Don't worry about editing at this point. Just write what you're going to say. And then go through every slide and start internalizing what you want to say uh, and write out full sentences. So that's pretty much step one. Step two, and this is, this is how I prepare for a, a, a keynote talk. Mm -hmm. the, step two is to actually go into those slides, go into the notes, and start reducing the sentences the bullet points. Don't have bullet points on the slide. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but you can have bullet points in your notes. So pretty soon, you're only seeing like three or four sentences, very short sentences of several words. Practice delivering the entire presentation like that, literally standing up in your office or seated, however you're actually going to present, and going through each slide and practicing with just a three or four bullets in the notes. 
then the, the third step is actually reducing those notes to about one word. Mm. One word. Okay. And think about how many times we've actually already been going through every slide. So now I'm, I'm building my confidence. I know what's coming next. So now I've only got one word on each slide. Then the following steps are literally eliminating the words completely and practicing just the slides. I'm not even looking at notes now. Mm. Now I'm just clicking my slides. And I know exactly what I'm going to say. I don't have any notes in front of me. I'm just kick, clicking my slides. And, but I'm, I'm walking through the PowerPoint exactly as I would be when I'm going to be, when I deliver this for real. Uh, and then finally, I practice day of uh, where I go into the, into the venue ahead of time. Uh, or if it's in an office, I make sure everything is plugged in, that the display, the projector is working. <laughs> the worst is, is when you're actually starting a meeting and you're still trying to figure it out. Oh, no, I got to bring in my PowerPoint and, and is the projector working? And, you know, so by the time all of this happens, by the time you go through all the steps, you've already rehearsed it at least 10 times. If you have a pitch or a PowerPoint, I'm going to say do it at least 10 times. 10 times uh, rehearsing a PowerPoint pitch is to me re much more than average, first of all. And it, it's enough to give you a lot of confidence so that you'll know when you see a slide, how you're going to start that slide, how you're going to end, how you're going to begin your presentation, uh, when you're going to cut to a demo, how you're going to demo your product. Uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, they, in terms of selling your idea. Mm. But by the time you go through a PowerPoint about 10 times, you'll be confident and ready to deliver when the stakes are high. Well, I think for anybody who uh, is familiar with, with TED, most of us, if not all of us, have seen uh, the Sir Ken Robinson talk from 2006, uh, Why Schools Kill Creativity. I've shared that with educators. I've blogged about it. I think it's the most viewed TED Talk ever, if I'm not mistaken. 20, 20 million views. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What is it about that one in particular, do you think, that stands out from, from, from some of the others? Uh, let's, let me flip that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me flip that. What, what do you recall from Ken Robinson's talk? Just one thing. Yeah, one of the things that I enjoy about it is... It, it's not so much telling jokes, but he just has a very natural way of de delivering his content that causes you to laugh. I mean, he's just just naturally funny. Absolutely. Humor. And I have an entire chapter in Talk Like Ted about the, the skillful use of humor. Humor is really important, and people uh, don't quite know what to do with it. They think they have to tell a joke. Uh, we're not, most of us aren't comedians. We're not Jerry Seinfeld. We're not, we're not, you know, working on jokes for like two, these guys work on jokes for years. Uh, it's very hard to tell jokes. People say, well, I'm not very funny. Well, Ken Robinson, and I would encourage everybody to watch is called Sir Ken Robinson, why schools kill creativity. You can watch it on Ted. Uh, it's, it's hilarious. And yet he never really tells a joke. Right. What he uses, Jeff, is called anecdotal humor. It simply means using observational humor about yourself or something you've observed in the past, uh, something that you found funny. And if you find something funny or humorous, uh, there's no reason why maybe your audience won't find it as well. It, the point is you're not there to elicit a belly laugh. 
That's all you want to do is break down defenses, break down walls, make people receptive to your message, put a smile on their face, make them feel that you're uh, authentic and natural and you're a fun person, you know, because people do like to be around people who have a good sense of humor. And what Ken Robinson does very well is simply just use this uh, very simple observational humor where he'll say, where he said something like, uh, well, I'm, I'm in education. And the other day I was at a, a dinner party actually when you're in education you're rarely invited to dinner parties but you know, regardless and he kept going and it's not like oh my gosh you're going to have people rolling in the aisles with laughter but it puts a smile on your face right. and that's that's the majority of his talk was breaking down the fences with this just very subtle humor you don't have to be a comedian you don't have to feel as though you need to tell a joke to get people to laugh and what i like uh, another thing i like about what that does is you you have sort of this juxtaposition of the humorous moments with the really profound ideas that he that he shares that that causes him to stand out all the more absolutely the the uh, the humor is only one element of a good ted talk uh and he stands out for his use of humor. Uh, but he also tells stories. In fact, you probably remember the story. I, I forgot her name. I think it was, uh, her name is Lillian. And he was talking about creativity. And she was the, she told a, he told a story of, of a little girl who they thought uh, had some kind of learning disability and, and she was very distractible. And her mother brought her to a, and true story, mother brought her into a, uh, a doctor's office. The, the doctor pulled the mother aside and said, let's just watch Lillian, you know, for a few minutes. And he had music on and she was dancing. And he said to the mother, uh, your, uh, your daughter is not, there's nothing wrong with your daughter, you know, in terms of the school. She, she's, she's a dancer. Mm-hmm. And, and that woman uh, and again, I, f- I forget her name, see, but I, I remember the story. I haven't seen this mm-hmm. clip that you mentioned for, for a long time, but I remember the story. A- a- and Lillian became the choreographer of, uh, of Cats. Yeah, she became a world-famous choreographer. Uh, so, so he used a story to reinforce his theme that schools kill creativity. Isn't that fascinating? And, and we talked about stories. Stories are really important. Stories are very memorable. You have to tell more stories. All great TED Talks have powerful stories. Well, it's funny you, you mentioned that one specifically because I, I've shared that story uh, countless times with others because it impacted me uh, greatly. And uh, I love what he goes on to say about, you know, today uh, we would we would give her medication and, and tell her to calm down. Thank goodness this, this doctor saw this talent in her that just hadn't been tapped into yet. And look what look what happened as a result. Well, you just reinforced my point. This is a huge part of my my book, Jeff. You just reinforced it. You use the story in in your own workshops and in your own presentations and blogs. You you use that story, don't you? I absolutely do. It's the story that connected to you. Uh, Why don't you use all the facts and the figures and and the data that he has in the talk? He has data. Why don't you use that? See, because it's the stories that are connecting with you as a person. And yet in business presentations, nobody uses stories. <laughs> and I say nobody because, hey, I see business presentations every day. It's yeah. rare that people use really good storytelling techniques. Well, we've all seen our share, too, probably, of presentations that lacked uh, any real passion. I know I've probably been guilty of giving a few that lacked true passion. And I'm not just talking about passion for a product. It goes a little deeper than that. 
uh, what role does passion play in your view, Carmine, of delivering an effective talk? I think passion is everything. Uh, and I'm not just saying that. I think that uh, people who are passionate about a particular topic, who find true meaning in that topic, are by far, in my, in my own experience and in TED Talks, uh, by far they are the people who are the most inspiring leaders, the most inspiring presenters and, and public speakers. You have to be abundantly passionate about the topic that you're talking about. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't... Um, functionally deliver a presentation you're not entirely passionate about. I understand that. Uh, but to truly inspire people, you really have to have a deep emotional connection. Uh, there is, a, and I have a lot of research in the book, there's a lot of research being done that proves that passion is indeed contagious. So when you meet somebody, Jeff, who is abundantly excited and passionate and enthusiastic about his or her product, it will rub off on you. It will become maybe one of the top three factors that you use to decide whether or not you like a person, whether or not you want to work with a person, whether or not you trust a person. Mm. It is the, the level of passion they show about a particular product. The, the way I look at it, though, Jeff, and this is how we apply it to people who are pitching a product you know, a basic product or a service or a mid-level manager or an executive. Think deeply about what it is that you're passionate about regarding that product. I had an interview once with Howard Schultz, the founder of Starbucks, uh, because I, I write for Forbes and other platforms. And I'll never forget, we spoke for at least one, more than an hour, and he rarely mentioned the word coffee. And he said something incredibly profound to me. He said, well, coffee is what we make as a product, but that's not what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about customer service. I'm passionate about employee engagement. So you see, you can take a simple product like coffee and make it so much deeper. But you need to ask yourself before the presentation, what is it that I'm truly passionate about? What is it about this product or my service or my brand that I'm really excited about? And typically, you will find that it is not the product itself. It's what the product will do to improve the lives of your prospect or your client. Somebody said it best that you go from me to we. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one way of thinking about a presentation is how do I serve you, not how do I serve myself? You know, how do I get this sale to make my commission? Instead, change that mindset. How do I serve you? How do I improve your life? And, and that will be a very different presentation than it's all about me. It's all about my product, my service. I, I want this sale. Well, I want to, Carmine, transition to a couple of questions not directly related to the book that are a little more personal in nature. And to start with, uh, I'm curious to know, among all the leadership lessons that you've come to appreciate, if you had to narrow that list down to a, a single theme or central idea, what advice would you give? In the information age, in the knowledge economy, ideas are your currency. Ideas are the currency of the 21st century. It, it's your trade-in value. So I'm going to trade you my ideas for a job you know, for a position, uh, for, uh, for a sale. You cannot achieve your dreams in the 21st century if you do not have the ability to 
persuade people to act on your ideas. So that's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about getting your ideas across, communication, and communicating in a way that leaves people with goosebumps, you know, and inspires people uh, to think of their world differently or to dream bigger about their own, their own careers. Well, between your work at uh, CNN, CBS, and of course your books, you've had the opportunity to impact a lot of people with, with what you do. And at the end of the day, what do you hope, Carmine, your legacy to be? That's a good question, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that takes a little thought. Uh, I think getting back to this, this idea of helping people to change the world mm. through their ideas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think there are so many ideas that, that die out there because they were never heard. All, every, all of us have the ability to inspire people to higher levels of achievement. We have the ability to inspire our teams, uh, to create more, more engaging, more inspiring companies uh, and products that change the world. But none of it matters if you can't get your idea across. So you know, I, I hope my legacy uh, involves helping people communicate their ideas more successfully. Excellent. Wonder if you could name for us a couple of books you've read in that this is a podcast about the importance of intentional and consistent reading that have had an impact on you and maybe share how or why they impacted you as they did. I read, uh, I actually read a lot of spiritual books. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I read a lot of spiritual books. Uh, so I enjoy uh, thinking about our world in a much more meaningful way. Yeah. And that actually helps me become a better public speaker as well. Uh, I read some of Wayne Dyer's books, for example, uh, you know, a great spiritual teacher. Yeah. Uh, whether or not you agree with his spirituality, but the point is that he's very much into how may I serve you instead of what can I get out of this relationship or transaction. Mm. And that, that is very meaningful, uh, certainly when it comes to, uh, when it comes to more inspiring leadership and inspiring presentations. I read books and I watch pastors. I love watching Joel Osteen. <laughs> Joel Osteen is a very famous pastor uh, who you know, reaches millions of people mm. every Sunday Joel Osteen, and I know this is a fact, and I wrote about it, was terrified of public speaking. Terrified of public speaking. And yet now he speaks to 40,000 people in a stadium for 30 minutes. He can give a 30-minute sermon. How, how do you do that? How do you go from, being, from having stage fright right. <laughs> to inspiring 40,000 people? So I, I read a lot of those type of books, uh, but in terms of just practical books, there are a couple of people out there who are in my in my world of communication. One, and she's a good friend, is Nancy Duarte, mm. and she has written uh, two very popular books. But the first one is called Slideology, which is all about design and presentation design, how to create presentations that are cleaner and more interesting and more inspiring. So she's sort of the guru when it comes to PowerPoint presentation design. So she's something, somebody to look for in terms of just practical matters. Before we wrap up, I know the, uh, the book is out today, but I'm curious to know what is on the horizon for you next? 
I will be talking about, uh, well, talking about Talk Like Ted uh, <laughs> for a long time. I think uh, th- there are so many wonderful techniques within the nine secrets. They're not just nine techniques. Those are nine broad techniques. I think there's a many, many other techniques within each chapter. Uh, so I'll, I will be talking about and, and promoting my TED book for, for quite a while. I'm going to stick to communication for a while. Uh, there's, there is still so much more to be said and so much more to learn about how we communicate our ideas. And in a global economy, you are only as valuable as the ideas you have to share. So I am committed to helping people express those ideas more effectively. I've appreciated a number of of how-to type books I've read in in the area of public speaking. Smart Talk from Lisa B. Marshall. There's a book called Secrets of Dynamic Communication from Ken Davis. We've had him on the show. And I love Talk Like Ted. And as I mentioned earlier, just really appreciate the, the level of research that has gone into this, both on the neuroscience side and just all, all the TED Talks that have been viewed and what you've been able to extrapolate uh, from those talks to find out what works and, and what doesn't. So well done on your part. And thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of the Read to Lead podcast. We really appreciate you having been here. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for the opportunity. One of the things you probably noticed with Carmine, he's a very friendly, very personable guy. And if you'd like to network with him, one of the best ways to do that is on Twitter, at Carmine Gallo, that's C-A-R-M-I-N-E-G-A-L-L-O. I've put a link to that in the show notes, if that helps. The Read to Lead podcast makes a great icebreaker and conversation starter when it comes to connecting with our guests uh, on Twitter. So so give that a go. Everything you ever wanted to know about Carmine and his new book out today, plus everything we talked about, links, and, and various resources can all be found at the show notes page created just for this episode. You'll find it at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 034 for episode 34. Don't forget our sponsor, Podcaster Academy, and that $100 discount on April's edition of the course, readtoleadpodcast.com slash academy, and enter the discount code READ at checkout for $100 off. Finally, I'd like to ask you to consider rating and reviewing the podcast. This helps keep the podcast visible and in front of new people. And if you give it a five-star rating and leave a review so I know who you are, I'll be sure and mention you by name in an upcoming episode as a way to say thanks. Now, to rate and review the podcast, just visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes, or you can go to Stitcher and leave a review there, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Some of our latest reviews coming in from iTunes and some very difficult to understand or make out iTunes handles, nonetheless, are from Ekasita. Uh, great stuff. Love the content on this podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, Lee from Veggie Quest says, inspiring. Appreciate the incredible interviews and phenomenal reading list. And great show from Char Chaplin Love, L-U-V. It says, if you want to learn, be informed, be inspired, or just hear podcasting at its best, this is the show. Make sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Thank you so much for those kind words. really appreciate it. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Certainly hope to see you next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 
I knew that I would. I feel good. I knew that I would. So good. So good. And I got you. Wow. I feel like. Like sugar and spice. I feel nice, like sugar and spice. So nice, so nice, I got you. I hold you in my arms. I know that I can do no wrong. And when I hold you in my arms, my love won't do you no harm. And I feel nice, sugar and spice. I feel nice, like sugar and spice. So nice, so nice, I got you. So good, so good, cause I got you.